0: The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. What you just watched is a video of uh, a a little bit of a testimony of someone who has gone through the Rooted um, Discipleship Program that we're going to be doing this fall here at Westway. Um, For those of you that don't know me, I'm Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Westway. And um, we are going to, next week, have in the lobby a table that will have this rooted material on it, and um, you'll be able to look at the books and, and, and see what it's all about. Um, each week for this, these coming weeks, we're going to be talking about relationships and building relationships. This morning, I'm going to talk about building relationships with God. Um next week we'll talk about building relationships with each other. And the week after, um I'll be talking or, or will be will be talking about relationships with those that aren't Christians. And um so um next week in the lobby there'll be that table on that table you'll find some sheets uh with the names of the small group leaders and uh when they will meet, where they will meet, uh what day of the week and the time. And um, there'll be some lines for you to to fill out um, in order to um, sign up to be a part of that small group. And so um, one of the things that we want you to do is to pray about that this week and be ready um, to get involved in a small group. Um, It is good to see you all here. And... I don't know what it is about this spot that makes my mouth go dry. <laughs> so if you'll forgive me when I take a drink, um, I want to start out with a scripture that I don't think is in your version app, um, but it's one that, that just really helps to set the tone of what I want to talk about this afternoon. It's found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Yeah. Amen. We're not held captive if we are in Christ. And what a blessing that we can talk about that and and be excited about that. Um, and, and, And so this morning... We're going to talk about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, um, as I look out across this auditorium, I see so many different faces and so many different age levels. What a blessing, Father, to have family that we can come together and be a part of. Father, we love you. We want to honor you with what we do and say this morning. I ask you for strength to share what you have asked me to share this morning. I know you've prepared the hearts of those who are here for this message, and I thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we think about small groups and the relationships that develop there, And I was thinking about what to say this morning in this message. It made me think of um, this TV series that's in the making right now called The Chosen. And uh, I've watched the first two seasons now and love it. And as I watch that, I think about the relationships that were built with Christ. And it's helped me to understand the need for me to have that kind of relationship with him. You see, Jesus chose a small group of people to whom he committed most of his time during his ministry here on earth. These people traveled with him and learned from him and were transformed by his teaching. They were given the task of telling what they had seen and about whom they were following. In the world's eyes, there wasn't anything special about these people. In fact, in many social circles, they wouldn't have been accepted. Luke writes with a doctor's attention to details about these lessons that were learned and about the people that were transformed by them. I want to this morning, and and we're going to spend some time to look at one chapter from Luke's book, and I want you to ask yourselves this question. What would it be like to have a relationship with this man called Jesus. So if you would take your Bibles out and t- turn to the book of Luke, um, chapter 15, if you've got your, your uh, apps with you, your UVersion app, it should be in that app. Um, Luke chapter 15, we're going to go through the whole chapter this morning. And we're going to do so fairly quickly and there's a lot that we could talk about that I won't talk about this morning. But as we think about Luke's account, try to put yourself in that place at that time. It begins with this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. (laughs) I could be in that group. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Wow. Jesus, the self-proclaimed Messiah, would hang out with people like this? Tax collectors? Jews that took from other Jews to give to the Romans. Notorious sinners that hung out with tax collectors. You would associate with those kind of people. And they were upset with what Jesus was doing. And this is what Jesus said. He says, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, What will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Luke gives us a little insight into the crowds that found themselves drawn to Jesus. In the eyes of the religious leaders, this wasn't a very good bunch. And what Jesus was doing in that moment He was teaching and challenging their ideas and practices as to what true, pure religion should be. If you're a good Jew, you don't associate with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus wants those who follow him to understand the love that the Father has for every one of us, no matter who we are. And he told this story to illustrate that. The Pharisees had their rules about who was deserving of their attention, but Jesus was very clear in showing that we all belong with the group. Did you catch that? Someone was missing. Someone had strayed away. A good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows their actions and the way they do things. They listen to his voice and they recognize his voice. But once in a while, somebody walks off. And Jesus said, they're important. They shouldn't be left alone out in the wilderness. And so that's the way he begins to explain this. He says, even if I have to leave the comfort and protection of the group to go look for the one who is lost, I'm going to do that. And then he goes on with another story, the parable of the lost coin. It says in verse eight, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Wouldn't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. He's seeking you, just like this woman was seeking that coin. He was teaching the men and women that were following him that they were going to be instrumental in seeking the lost and that they should go to the ends of the earth to find them. You have value. Each one of us has value to him. This coin was like a full day's work. That's the value that that coin had. It was worth something and it was worth looking for. Jesus is seeking you. And, I, and don't miss the point in the fact that there was repentance that was needed in each of these stories. The celebration that took place because the sinner was lost, but had repented and now was found. Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues on in verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. That wasn't the normal practice, by the way. It goes on, verse 13. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Wow. That's pretty low, isn't it? When even the slop given the pigs looks good, you must be hungry. goes on, verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on. As a hired servant. I have a question. Why did it take him so long. To come to his census? <laughs> well I know why. Because at first what he was doing. Seemed like a lot of fun. It seemed like it was going to be okay. To spend this money that I have now. And I'm thinking about Myself. And not about others. He went a long way. Down that path didn't he? Sometimes we just have to hit bottom. Do you hear the repentant part? Do you hear the repentant heart? God is waiting for a change of heart. That brings about a change of action. It continues on in verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Wow. If you'll allow me to imagine a little bit here, having grown up on a farm and staying a few years after school to farm with my dad, I would imagine that the father is working a little harder than he would have had to due to having given half of his operating expenses to the youngest son. Also at home working alongside him was the older son who probably resented the fact that his father had given half of his wealth to his little brother before he had even earned it. Yet, what do we find the father doing? Watching. How many of us have watched our children go off to college or moved to another part of the country, or maybe a friendship was hurt and someone you were close to has kept their distance, or someone left the church for some reason or another. If they were to return, would they find us watching? In the very next sentence, Jesus says about the father, and while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The love of God becomes first and foremost here. When we find ourselves far away from God and in need of a savior, this is the response we will receive also. This is the type of relationship God desires from us. Notice what the father does. It says, but the father in verse 22 said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was what? Dead. And has now returned to life. He was lost. But now he is found. So the party began. That's the way the NLT says it. <laughs> so the party began. The father reinstates the son into the family. Complete with robe and ring and shoes. And we could go into the details of that. But I don't have time this morning for that. Again. There is a celebration in his household. Forgiveness is given. As we continue on, verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. "'Your brother is back,' he was told, "'and your father has killed the fattened calf. He, "'We are celebrating because of his safe return.' "'The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. "'His father came out and begged him, "'but he replied, "'All these years I've slaved for you "'and never once refused to do "'a single thing you told me to do. "'And in all that time, "'you never gave me even one young goat.' for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Wow. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. Let the celebration begin. My question for you this morning is, have you allowed him to love you like this? He expresses his love for us today in many ways. He is seeking you. It may be, no, it is through you that he desires to share that love. A very good way to build that kind of relationship with him is to join a group of people who are seeking him. To study together, to encourage one another, to grow together. Next week, I'm gonna share with you seven things that you'll be able to do within your small groups that will help you to grow in your relationship with God and His family. John, you made it tough on me this morning. <laughs> I saved that announcement for this moment. This morning, I woke up early to spend some time alone with God. I accepted the invitation from Westway to join the reading plan, the U Version reading plan for the week, and prayed that God would speak to me and give me strength as I spent some time with Him through His Word. Many of you know that this has been a very busy month for me with many events going on. We had an amazing grandparenting matters session at the end of July. It was awesome. We had an awesome safety train yesterday with a guy by the name of Craig Cable that came up from Colorado who has lots of experience in safety issues. He's on on the sheriff's department down there and many other credentials that he brought with him. We have a couple families that will be taking part in a family dedication celebration in a couple weeks. We're training some new small group leaders, recruiting new teachers, preaching the word. And in the midst of all this, there was a trip to Indiana to celebrate the life of my oldest brother. And then back here, a couple days later, to celebrate the life of my good friend Bob Reichenberg. And then the following week, to meet with a former student from Garing Christian Academy to encourage and comfort and to plan a graveside service for her stillborn son. And then, last Friday evening, we said goodbye to Cheryl's mom as she took her last breath and went home to be with Jesus. And yesterday, during the safety training, I received word from another of my sisters that our oldest sister has been put on hospice and isn't isn't expected to live many more days. I'm not sharing with you this to receive your pity. I share this with you Because the verse God gave us in the devotion this morning was just what I needed. Even though John was on vacation this last week, he offered to do this for me. To take my place here this morning to speak to you. Knowing what I'm going through. The Lord knows I was tempted to do that. But God also knows that he gave me this message deliver to you I love my relationship with him I trust him for the strength to continue on this verse this morning was Romans 8 if you would turn there with me it's not in your you version I didn't put it in because I didn't think about it until this morning I'm gonna go to Romans 8 beginning with verse 35 But it says this. Can anything ever separate us from God's love, from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things... Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Today, I will close with this question. How far has God gone to have a relationship with you? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's how much he loves you. Let's pray. Father, as we sit here before you this morning, we are humbled by your love for us. Father, we know that You didn't tell us that times were going to be easy. You didn't tell us that we would live forever here on earth. But you have promised us that when we have a relationship with you and when we are in Christ, that we can live forever with you. Father, you love us so much that you want to speak to us day in and day out. Thank you for speaking to me this morning. Thank you for the strength you give us to carry on even when it feels like we can't. Your love is amazing. Thank you for sharing it with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.